Hi, and welcome to Your Own Podcast. I'm Dr. Melanie Barham, the Ontario Animal Health Network Coordinator, and I'm joined today by Dr. Jessica Gordon, uh, Associate Professor at the Ontario Veterinary College, um, with a focus on beef. And um, Jessica is going to talk to us about the clinical aspects of Salmonella Dublin infection as part of our uh, Salmonella Dublin series. So welcome, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's jump right in. Can you review the clinical aspects of Salmonella Dublin infection for our practitioners? So the biggest uh, thing that we that we see with Salmonella Dublin is we often see it in outbreaks of a respiratory disease. So this is a bit odd compared to what we tend to think of in Salmonella diseases. For the most part, Salmonella we think immediately of enteric disease, um, but with this particular strain, with it being host adapted, we actually see diarrhea very infrequently. And so, like I said, we see these large outbreaks of respiratory disease, most often in calves from about two to 16 weeks of age, but the age can vary a bit depending on the previous experience of the cattle and and such like that. Um, And with the invasiveness of this particular strain, particularly the one we see here in Ontario, Um, we see a lot of other symptoms with this disease as well. So beyond the respiratory disease and the occasional diarrhea, um, we can often see um, things like abortion in pregnant animals, arthritis, meningitis, um, septicemias. It's fairly common. And that's because this bacteria is quite invasive and so it quite easily gets into the bloodstream and then obviously can get anywhere that the blood um, contacts. And one of the most challenging things about this disease is it's really hard to treat. And that's mostly because the strain that we have here in Ontario, again, is is multi-drug resistant. So it's resistant to nearly every antibiotic um, that we have available for treatment in cattle. And so we see much higher um, morbidity and mortality rates with this disease. And it's just very challenging to treat. Uh, An important aspect of this particular disease is the carrier state that we see. So animals that become infected, they often will show signs, but if they're older, they might not. And so any infected animal can become a carrier. So they shed large amounts of the bacteria on and off throughout the rest of their life. Um, And this is, again, different from other types of salmonella because it is host adapted. It allows the bacteria to sort of live with the animal for the rest of its life instead of Mm. a protracted, you know, a shorter period of time that we tend to see with other types of salmonella. Okay. Now, um, with the carrier state, is it typically associated with stress responses that they're shedding it like around calving or anything like that or not really... Not really. Uh, There's not been a good correlation between what causes um, animals to start um, shedding again. Certainly carrier animals can become symptomatic again with things like stress like calving or um, transport, overcrowding, you know, the general stress things that we see in cattle. Um, But the whether or not they're actually shedding at a, at a certain period of time doesn't seem to have a lot of correlation between what stresses they're under. Hmm. So it, it's, difficult. it's challenging to really yeah. get a handle on. I also want to circle back. You mentioned that um, it can cause septicemia and um, arthritis and things like that. Is that mainly in young 
animals or can it happen in adults as well? Um, no, those secondary symptoms we see much more commonly in young animals. Okay. So I guess never say never is pretty much the key in veterinary medicine or medicine <laughs> in general, but um, those symptoms, no, we, we really don't see them in adult okay. cattle. If they're reading the case reports, then yep. it should be. Okay, gotcha. All right. Um, so yeah, as far as different, as far as differentiating it from different uh, other like other types of calfroid mortality and presentation, um, we touched a little bit about on that. Is there anything else you wanted to add to it? Um, so no, I think you know again the biggest thing is the high morbidity and high mortality, and because this generally presents as a respiratory outbreak, um, practitioners or producers might not immediately think of a salmonella because again generally salmonella we're thinking diarrhea. Mm -hmm. And so they might set in place um, you know, protocols for our general bacteria or viral um, offenders for respiratory disease, and then they just don't work and the animals aren't treated very effectively. And so that's normally when we start to think about salmonella is, do you have excessively high rates of morbidity or, or mortality? Um, and then are you having a really hard time treating those cases? Not responsive to other things. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so then what is known currently about Seminole Dublin in Ontario and, and Canada as a whole? We talked a little bit to Dr. Bergeron, who is in Quebec, and he gave us a Quebec perspective, uh, but I'd be interested to know what, what we know about what it's like in Ontario, and then if, if you could speak to some of the stuff that may be going on across Canada, it would be great. Sure. So... Um, we actually hadn't seen Salmonella Dublin in Ontario for um, over three decades, and it's actually never been diagnosed in cattle um, until recently in cattle that are from Ontario. So the odd case that we might see was an animal that was transported from out west or Quebec or from the States. Um, and our, Around the early 2000s, we started to see spread of Salmonella Dub Dublin, which was fairly prevalent actually in the West and Midwestern um, United States, into the Northeastern United States as well, uh, which is most likely how we got it up into this area of Canada, but certainly it could have been transmitted from West to East as well. Mm -hmm. um, but because of the dairy aspect of the north northeastern United States and the dairy aspect of the eastern uh, eastern Canada, it's more likely that travel yeah, that it um, that we got it here in eastern Canada from uh, dairy or veal animals coming from the US. Um, so in 2011 was when they started seeing many reports of Salmonella Dublin in Quebec. It is an immediately notifiable uh, disease here in Ontario, so any diagnosis um, that it occurs either through the animal health lab or if a practitioner is using a laboratory outside of Ontario, if they get a diagnosis from that lab, they have to report it immediately to a MAFRA. So we do have a fair, a good handle on how many cases there are and you know when we were seeing them and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, and so in about 2015 is when we started to see an increase of um, Salmonella Dublin here in Ontario and we've seen um, a fair number of cases from 2015 and, and now into 2016 and it doesn't sound like a lot because it's coming at this point from a 
about a dozen different um, premises. But the problem that we see is that about 70% of, um, of cattle operations in Ontario uh, report having movement of cattle between operations. Mm -hmm. And that's what uh, for sure they saw in the northeastern U.S. as well as uh, in Quebec is that it can move really quickly from farm to farm because of the carrier state. Mm -hmm. So, okay, you may you might not actually move an animal that you can tell is ill, but if you have no idea that that animal is affected, it's really easy to send that animal to your neighbor or to the sales barn or whatever and not be concerned and someone to buy that animal and again, not be concerned because the animal doesn't show any outward signs. Yeah. And so, okay, so I guess we talked a little bit about this strain presenting a little bit differently. How's this strain of salmonella differ from others? Yeah. So as I mentioned, this strain is host adapted, um, which is what allows it to live in the animal in the carrier state for the lifetime of that animal. Um, it also is what allows it to show some maybe different signs from what we'd be used to in Salmonella. Um, and it allows it to get more uh, active throughout the entire body and to see those other, um, those other symptoms that we see. So again, with the respiratory disease as well as meningitis and, so, and such like that, we, we don't normally see. Um, and because we don't expect to see respiratory disease with a salmonella, it's just not high on the list of differentials with mm -hmm. practitioners. So it can be a, a bit of a challenge to diagnose. Now just, um, so most of the salmonellas that we see in, in cows and, and cattle as a, as a whole, are they mainly not host adapted? Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yep. So there is a lot of, um, different animals get different um, types of salmonella. So salmonella does tend to be somewhat specific to the type of animal that you're working with. And so cattle get sort of cattle salmonella, but there's a difference between what cattle normally get in an actual host adapted strain, which is the difference here. And that just is how easily it is to, how easy it is for the bacteria to, to, to survive long-term in the animal's body, basically. Okay, gotcha. Okay, very good. Um, all right, so let's say that you are, if let's say that you go out to see a case and you think that there is a, you're suspecting salmonella, it is high on your list today. Um, so what would you, what would you recommend? Yeah, so I think the number one thing to keep in mind is that it is zoonotic. Um, and because we have all these challenging challenges treating cattle because it's multi-drug resistant and it's extremely invasive, those exact same challenges exist for people as well. And so it can be really devastating. And so I don't think that people always consider the zoonotic potential of things, uh, especially if you're working with calves and you're going home to uh, care for young children or elderly or immunocompromised people that would be more likely to have an issue with this. Um, so making sure that you're um, changing your 
clothes, have barn-specific clothes or at least coveralls um, to cover uh, so that the majority of contamination would stay in the barn. Make sure that you're um, washing your hands after working with animals. And the big thing is it can be transmitted through milk. So that's really important to keep in mind if you're consuming unpasteurized milk. So it's illegal to sell unpasteurized milk in Ontario. Um, but that doesn't mean that people don't consume it from their own bulk tank. And so it's really important to keep that in mind that this is a way that you can um, bring the infection home, especially to young children who consume a lot of a lot of milk mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, and so you need to be considering that. Yeah, and certainly I guess if you're advising your dairy clients, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it can cause abortion in people just as it can in cattle. So oh, if you have really? workers that are pregnant, they want to make, take some extra precautions as well. Okay, so wearing gloves and that sort of thing exactly. if they're milking and, or if they're handling fetal fluids and things? Yep, yep. Um, because it can be transmitted by basically any bodily fluid, so uterine, um, nasal secretions, uh, uh, salivation, milk, feces, mm-hmm. um, any time they're coming in contact with those sorts of materials, wearing gloves or other protective equipment, depending on what exactly they're doing. So, you know, sleeves or, you know, full-on gowns, depending on the situation, mm-hmm. but making sure that they're cleaning and sanitizing, you know, their hands and stuff, such before eating and, and stuff like that is the big thing. Yeah, I guess good for any uh, pregnant veterinarians for as sure. well <laughs> yeah, for sure. to remember and yeah. keep that on their diagnostic list, I suppose. Exactly. Uh, for many reasons. Exactly. Okay, um, okay good to know. Um, so what control measures have been effective to take care of this infection and, you know, keep it if you have had a, um, a farm that is infected? So the biggest thing here is to prevent an introduction onto the farm, if at all possible. It is really challenging to get off the farm once you have it. Again, I know I keep saying this, but coming back to the carrier state, um, it's hard to diagnose those carrier animals as well. And so it's really challenging once you have it on the farm to, to fully get rid of it. Um, beyond that, it's really challenging to disinfect as well. So you have to make sure that you're getting rid of all organic material before you're disinfecting. Um, and so that can be a challenge depending on the setup of the barn, what type of material is in the barn. Things like wood don't tend to decontaminate nearly as easily as, as plastic and metal do, that sort of thing. Um, are there disinfectants that work better than others? Oh yeah, for sure. So there are, it is relatively actually susceptible to disinfection as long as you have removed, fully removed the organic material. So things such as um, dilute chlorine bleach, um, quaternary ammonia compounds and oxidizing agents um, such as Vicron S have all been shown quite effective for Salmonella Dublin as long as you use them per label directions. So again, something that is often often occurs is that um, you know people aren't careful when they're mixing their disinfectants and they might be too dilute and so it's really important to make sure that they're mixed at the level um, that's that's listed on the label for disinfection with Salmonella Dublin. And do you know, Jessica, if you're um, if people are cleaning out their barn or disinfecting, like 
what kind of personal protective equipment should they be considering? Like if there's, I'm just thinking of like aerosolizing all of this stuff and like pressure washing it. Right, exactly. So um, there are masks that you can get uh, relatively easily as far as um, just to protect from aerosolization. Um, it is a fecal oral route. So, you know, if you're not, actually swallowing or you know putting your hands in your mouth after <laughs> contaminating it i know it sounds silly but we're talking like things like children right yeah. especially um and so it's not like a respiratory virus that you can contact by by breathing it in or that sort of thing but for sure if you are um pressure washing a barn the likelihood that you're going to get some spray back into your mouth is it's high. <laughs> um, and so any any mask, just a barrier mask would be sufficient. Um, okay. It's not because it's not a, a small particle or anything like that. An you don't have to be yeah. super concerned about it. Um, but yeah, some sort of barrier. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good to know. Um, okay. So, all right. As far as um, infection in adult cattle, uh, what and transfer to milk. We did talk a little bit about that. How does it manifest in adult cattle if it if it does show up? Right. So in the in this case, most adult cattle are actually asymptomatic, but if they do show signs, they are much more likely to have dysentery. So GI signs instead of the respiratory signs that we see in calves. Mm -hmm. We don't see the respiratory signs near, near as often in adult cattle. And then things like um, abortion, obviously, that's going to be an mm -hmm. adult or at least older heifers. Is it late stage or early stage? or? Um, it It's whenever they get affected. When they get it, okay. Yep, exactly. So it can show up at any time. Mm -hmm. Because it causes inflammation... Um, it causes inflammation in the uterus and in the tissues between the calf and the and the uterus. We can see it pretty much at any time during pregnancy. Okay, mm -hmm. perfect. Um, okay, excellent. And then as far as um, yeah, as far as treatment and things like that, I guess we talked a little bit about uh, making sure that you have good biosecurity when you're bringing in an animal. Um, but what should you be considering if you're trying to treat an active infection or farm? Right. So for the most case. Uh, for most cases, we actually don't recommend antibiotic treatment mm -hmm. with the Salmonella Dublin that we have here in Ontario. Because it is multi-drug resistant, um, the likelihood that you're going to be effective um, when using an antibiotic is quite low. The challenging thing can be, especially in the early stages, differentiate, differentiating that between other um, diseases that are you know, susceptible to antibiotics. So the big thing is um, supportive care. So making sure that they have, um, you know, clean, dry place to lie, nice, good ventilation, good nutrition, making sure that it, especially their milk equipment, uh, if in the case of veal calves or dairy, you know, dairy calves that are still on milk, um, is all nice and clean. Um, so that they have and they have easy access to it so that they have an ability to get the nutrition that they need um, If you know you're dealing with salmonella Dublin um, taking a, a Sample to see if by chance some antibiotic will be useful uh, Is really helpful if you're unsure still taking a sample um, before 
you begin treatment is also useful um, just because you can see what was there before you started treatment mm -hmm. and if treatment is not is not effective um, you can submit your postmortem and, and see what was there afterwards so um, things like swabs of the respiratory tract you know if it's a case of a, a respiratory disease if you do have diarrhea obviously fecal um, mm -hmm. a, a fecal sample is appropriate as well um, but again, for the most part, if you do know that you're dealing with Salmonella Dublin, uh, it's suggested to stay away from antibiotics as much as possible mm -hmm. just to decrease the risk of further development of drug resistance. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, okay, very good. Um, so um, any other preventative uh, measures that vets should make their clients aware of or any other things that you'd like to share? I think it's really important that... Um, Practitioners keep in mind that the best, again, I know I said this already, but the best way to prevent um, this disease is to prevent introduction onto the farm. And so if you can, not buying animals onto the farm, that's the number one best way to do it. Um, but obviously something like a veal operation, that's impossible. Right. You don't have a veal operation without purchasing animals. Right. So if possible, buying animals from herds that are known to be negative um, or asking for testing of, of the herd ahead of time, um, again, that's not always feasible or possible mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, what kind of testing would you recommend as far as pre-testing? Right. So you can get... a. Uh, a bulk tank sample mm -hmm. of the herd, um, which looks for antibodies, and that's relatively good idea of whether or not Salmonella is actually in the herd of origin or not. If you're looking at testing calves, it's really important to keep in mind that when a calf arrives on the farm, they might not be ill, but they might be carrying it, but it is nearly impossible to be to diagnose mm -hmm. Salmonella Dublin that early. And so you might not know until once the calf has been there for a while. Mm -hmm. And so it's possible, again, things like quarantine or segregating different groups of animals so that if you purchase animals from an infected farm and you have salmonella in one group, you don't spread it through your whole barn. So, sorry, you're recommending keeping them separate for the whole for a long period of time, or what period of time would you think? So, the incubation period for Salmonella Dublin is around 10 days. So, in the first in the first 10 days of the animals being on the farm, you know sort of if they're going to be infected or not. Okay. Now, that's probably not feasible again on a lot of operations. Right. Um, to keep even animals segregated for the long, for 10 days. It can be challenging. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and a, a lot of um, operations would not have the facilities and um, the management infrastructure to deal with that. And so then it's sort of managing, uh, managing it on the farm. So what can you do? And honestly, a lot of these things are not that much different from what you would do for any other infectious mm -hmm. disease. So again, making sure that everything is completely clean and has time to be sanitized and completely dry between groups will help um, decrease the risk of spread from group to group. A big, um, a big mistake that people make is they hose down their calf hutches and put some great disinfectant that's mixed at exactly the right um, 
concentration and everything else and then flip that hutch over and put another calf in. And if it hasn't had time to dry, it hasn't had time to kill everything that's on the hutch. And a wet surface is a perfect surface for transfer of bacteria from one thing to another. So really, really important that everything is completely clean um, and dry before putting the next group of, um, of animals in. And then um, to keep in mind things like, again, all your protect, personal protective clothing so you're not transferring from animal to animal, um, dealing with sick animals last, maybe a challenge if you have asymptomatic carriers but you're still decreasing your risk of, of um, contaminating yeah. animals that aren't ill. And then just keep in mind that this, because it can be spread by all these different bodily fluids, basically everyone that comes on the farm, you need to make sure that they're um, following good practices. So that includes cattle haulers, obviously your veterinarians, um, your hoof trimmers, breeders, everybody, so that they're changing their personal protective equipment sanitizing their hands, boots, you know, equipment that they're using on your cattle because it, it very easily can be spread um, from farm to farm right. by someone not even directly involved with your, with right. your operation. Yeah, pretty hard to trace back too, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right, that concludes our Clinical Aspects of Salmonella Dublin podcast with Dr. Jessica Gordon. And please stay tuned or check out our other uh, podcasts in this series, including the practitioner perspective, the Quebec perspective, and the, the pathology perspective of Salmonella Dublin. Thanks so much for listening.